Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of SDGC. I'm Derek. You will notice there is no John tonight. That is just fine. We are here to have a lovely evening. I'm here with my good buddies, Jeff, Justin, and CJ. And Finn should be here shortly. Um, he he might have died in between his car and the computer. We, we can't be too <laughs> certain about that. Um... But lovely, lovely night. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. Very PlayStation-centric episode tonight, I think, in terms of topics. But before... Nobody, the, nobody's really doing anything, and even those topics aren't, like, wild. No, it'll be fun stuff, right? This is going to be a nice, light, like, drama-free show, right? Like, nobody... We didn't find out that somebody in Ubisoft, like, killed somebody, right? Like, this isn't one of those episodes. Hey, the um, night's young. Don't, yeah, don't, 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 don't put it out there. Don't put it out there. John's going to yeah. join the chat in like 30 minutes with a breaking news update with the oh, most like Reggie disheartening Fizzamay, shit. Reggie Fizzamay drinks orphan blood. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did say he wants to sell his Animal Crossing Island on the blockchain. That did just drop oh, a little no. while ago. You know what? I'll allow it. It turns out that Amy Hennig is actually the reincarnation of Countess Elizabeth Bathory, <laughs> <laughs> which I have a secret conspiracy theory that uh, Elizabeth Bathory was framed, but this is not the podcast for that. <laughs> no, actually, I, th I think we're going to go deep into that theory tonight. That is, that's Put it in the hold Okay, okay. So, the long and the short of it, I'm, I'm glad that all of you showed up for this video game podcast tonight. You're going to get a history lesson about the Blood Countess and how I believe all of the charges against her are manufactured. So, Countess Elizabeth Bathory owned and, and had the rights to a, a tremendous amount of land that was incredibly sought after by the state. Um, and she wielded an incredible amount of political power due to her wealth and land that I think she inherited I remember if, like, husband died or parents died or something like that. Anyway, and women in Hungary or wherever the fuck it was aren't allowed to have, like, money and land and political power. Do you really think that, that one woman killed, like, 300 women and bathed in their blood and drank their blood? Or do you think that that was invented by a bunch of dudes looking for a reason to put her in prison and take her land and wealth for the state? I think you're trying to discredit, like, a, a girl boss moment. There, yeah, well, I'm, look, don't get me wrong. One way or another, she was one of history's like, they're, great they're, girl they're, bosses. They're, they're <laughs> I will go on record that, that the blood countess Elizabeth Bathory uh, did have girl boss power. Like that, that's but, like she's just she's just focused on the grind, and I don't think I don't like that you're trying to deplatform. Try to cancel an entrepreneur. <laughs> Finn, you've come at a wonderful time. Yo, Finn, hold up. I don't Straight know what up. the context I, is, but I don't I care. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm digging the hair and beard combo. You know what? It's been a while Thank since you. I've seen you. You look good, man. Yeah, that's an excellent beard, my friend. Like, straight up. Appreciate you. All right. You know me. Uh, yeah. I, hope to, I hope to age as gracefully as all of you because you're all older than me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that's actually fair. the youngest member of STGC. Oh, really? crazy. Um, in terms hey, of emotion, he's like a maturity. hard. He's like a hard fifteen. It's crazy. <laughs> as far as emotional maturity goes, I am the youngest. He's like <laughs> he's like Robin. We're, like, we're fucking bullying him into being a member. All grizzled on the outside. <laughs> so we've got a few things to talk about tonight. Uh, we want to talk about uh, PlayStation 
setting up a new uh, PC strategy team as well as a new preservation team is the phrase they're using for it. Um, we want to talk a little bit about some of the great shit that was at PAX East 2022. Really, Finn specifically is going to talk about it because Finn was the only one of us that that braved the frozen wilds of Boston to get us this news. Yes. But, but it wasn't frozen at all. turns out April's much nicer. Probably, yeah. It should be April every year, assuming that, that PAX I hope it is the way it used to be. Um, but before all of that, let's talk a little bit, a little bit about what everybody's been playing. Jeff, why don't we start with you, bud? Um, yeah, I've been uh, cooling down on Gran Turismo a little bit. I've basically done most of the stuff short of like um, they've got like the car dealerships, which rotate new inventory in every day. So I kind of log in every morning, check to see if there's anything I want to buy, because like I'm three trophies away from the platinum. Uh, so the three I need, one of them is pretty easy. I just have to grind out 50 online races. Uh, the other two, um, one of them I have to gold every license test, which I think I only have three left, but the last one is impossible and I've conceded I'll never do it. And then the other one is to like buy three legendary cars and they, they have like specific criteria. It says like cars that were destined to win the 24 hour Le Mans, but there's like 30 legendary cars and you have no way of knowing which one. So actually it took two and a half months for anyone to get the platinum because nobody knew which specific three cars you had to purchase. Um, and you also have to wait for them to rotate in. But now I know which ones they are. And I highly doubt I'm going to grind out the amount of money required to buy them all. So I've settled. I'll settle for 87% trophies. Um, I won't get that platinum. That's okay. Uh, and then I also just finished um, replaying Final Fantasy VII Remake on PS5 finally this morning. Um, I played half of it last year when the PS5 version came out, so I um, kind of, yeah, that game is still fucking incredible. Does the like, PS5 just, version feel like like a tremendous step up from the PS4 version? It, it does. I was really skeptical. I mean, it I wasn't even going to buy... It has textures. Even, that's an upgrade. <laughs> it has doors. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wasn't even going to buy the PS4 version. Like, I was going to hold off for the PC one, and then the PS5 version was announced. I was like, ah, should I get on PS5 or PC? I'm really glad in hindsight I didn't get on PC because that one has some problems with it yeah like it's uh you know the textures still just aren't that good in the game like they're better than the ps4 one they're definitely not the best you're gonna even the good textures they're not the best ones you're gonna find but i think something about just the way the game's presented it's kind of like what ff14 has where from far away everything looks really good and it's like they don't do a proper led swap when you get closer so as soon as it zooms in on like a table it's like it's still using the same textures that it would have been from 20 feet away so just things don't hold up on close scrutiny so you get depending on the camera angle, like some of the flowers look really bad, but uh, the game runs flawlessly and I'm like picky as fuck with this stuff. Like I have no complaints. The game looks amazing. Um, all the haptic stuff, like I don't know how deep they went with it, but like, I don't know, the way the controller gives you feedback and stuff is really, really good and works well with the combat. Um, yeah, and it was just a blast to replay it and I've, I haven't played the DLC yet, so I uh, just purchased that and I'll probably be starting that next week. So I'm excited to finally play through that but yeah man i they're apparently they're saying they're gonna give us something on part two this year i know it's still a ways away but i i can't wait to just get any kind of taste on that because i'm i'm dying over here we'll see (laughs) it's final fantasy so who fucking knows i'm gonna fucking laugh if we see more about seven part two and we don't see anything from 16 for like another two years i'm just gonna john john's gonna have a meltdown yeah i mean he's in a permanent meltdown but yeah, uh, more I would so, too, yeah. but but yeah, it's it would be the funniest possible turn of events. I have faith. Finn, 
What you been playing, bud? It's been a hot minute since you've been able to make it to the live show. Oh, I'm glad you're here tonight. You've been busy. I have been busy. You are correct. Uh, unfortunately, the busyness has not extended to video games. Um, let's see. I platinumed Horizon Forbidden West. Um, I am almost done 100%ing Kirby in the Forgotten City. Uh, started up a new run through of Triangle Strategy. Uh, I mean, y'all, that's basically it. I just, I've been having trip after trip after trip. I mean, honestly, I played a whole bunch of packs, but we'll wait till that section. Yeah. Uh, packed. Um, you get to really shine when we talk about packs. For, for because... the most part, I, I haven't, I, uh, I need to get back into the groove. You know, I've been so busy with work that, uh, I just haven't had time to sit down and actually play and it sucks you're still in that new dad phase really like that's not over (laughs) no no you're not wrong it's uh (laughs) but kirby and the the game i'm gonna play after kirby oh cj will appreciate this we've been burning through it takes two such a good game nice Nice. like like anyone that's played it takes two understands why it won game of the year at the game awards uh it's 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 a phenomenal experience. And then beyond that, let me f- pull up my list of things that's on the docket. Uh, the next game I have, uh, I keep flirting with the idea that I'll actually try Elden Ring, but I won't. <laughs> I know I won't. You'd need 100 hours to put aside, and I don't think you have that in your life right just now. Just talk to your, just talk to your daughter and tell her, hey, look, listen. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then you, have, you have to remember, like, I just, I don't, that's not my jam. So I'm That's sitting there it. like, I feel like I should care. You know, you know how like when there's this huge zeitgeist game that comes out and that's all anyone's playing or talking about. And I'm sitting there like. Should I? And then I know I won't play it. I mean, I own it. It's sitting there. It's mocking me. I'm just not going to play it. It's like the FOMO is fighting against the like contrarian part of you that yes. wants to not play something just because it's the most popular thing right now. Uh, see, but I, I don't hate things because they're popular. No, I, just, I don't hate it, but I just kind of yeah. like, I don't want to get into this right now because it's all anyone's doing. I think the best part of my gaming life was when I reached that point where I stopped caring about like playing the hot new thing. It was yes. like, it's so I will say the next game what you want to play. The next game I've got on my docket is Chinatown Detective Agency on Ooh. PC. I got it on Xbox PC Game Pass. Very excited to give that a shot. Nice. Bustin, what you been playing this last week or so? Oh, so yeah, it's been a few weeks since I've been on. Um, I think it has, yeah, because you've been busy with work shit too. Yeah, uh, so I, I, I finished Elden Ring, um, which that's only the second time I've actually finished. You beat uh, Millennia? Yes, I did. Wow, holy shit, all right. Okay, uh, all right, funny story about how I beat Melania. Um, So... I had to summon a naked dude named Jar Jar Binks, so whatever you say <laughs> is not going to be embarrassing, I promise. Well, I, I tried summoning John, and uh, it went first better mistake. with my mimic than it did with yeah, John. Yeah, I was going to say first mistake. <laughs> uh, however, however, uh, he's not here. He's not here while I put him on blast. I do have to give him credit, though, because he just dropped the sword that Melania drops, which works perfectly for my build, and he could not use so and i had the materials to fully upgrade it i didn't know you could do that that you could just drop items for each other like that. i don't think you're supposed to be able to with certain ones but he did it for the weapon you get from melania (laughs) so i he had to go 
And then literally the first attempt after I got that thing upgraded, I beat her without barely taking any damage because the secondary, uh, like the the weapon ability or whatever that that has is super it's, overpowered. It's her super overpowered yeah. move. Yeah. yeah. And so me and my mimic just spammed it on her and was like, how do you like it? How do you like? <laughs> but yes. Uh, yeah. So I beat Elden Ring. Uh, I, I really, really liked it. Um, I, I, I still have my complaints. I don't think it hits as high for me as it has for a lot of other people. Um, I feel like that but, back third kind of falls apart. Yeah. It, it, oh, it, it, see, I, I think it goes back to kind of what I said earlier. Like I liked the more open world stuff than I did the more linear stuff. And like the last part of the game is a, uh, you know, a lot of the more linear frustrating areas yeah. and, and stuff like that. But um, I, I mean, the game I think, I think is great. I think it could have just been a little bit tighter. Um, you almost feel like the Halig tree and some parts of the oh. underground and like Moog's area could have been saved for like a DLC expansion. Yeah and tightened up more like, and the game would have been a tighter experience for it, but I still loved it. Like, um, so, and then I also decided to try to go back to demon souls, which Ooh, bad been, choice. Yeah. Uh, I don't I'm, like, I'm, I will say, I don't like demon souls. Uh, it's not I'm good. not liking it very much either. Uh, I've mostly just been farming for healing items <laughs> and that's about it. Um, so I played a little bit of that. Um, I did also play through ghostwire Tokyo. Ooh. Uh, which was okay. I was Aww. actually, I was actually kind of, I was actually very disappointed uh, coming from Tango. I love the two evil with it within games um, and the DLC for the first game. So I was real. I, I had really high expectations going in. Um, I, that game feels like it was rebooted multiple times throughout development. And what we got was made in a very short amount of time. Like it's not bad. It just feels like, there's not much to it. And like my favorite parts were the side missions where like you're doing like basically ghost spirit detective stuff. Yeah. Um, and those feel completely separate from like the main storyline, which isn't very eventful or interesting. Um, there, that game has way too many open world collectibles. Guess how many like of the souls that you collect there are in that game. Is it triple digit? <laughs> you wish you wish it was triple digit four digits 240,030 no <laughs> that's exactly the kind of shit that makes me not play video games like, yeah like i mean you get them in groups of like 100 300 stuff like that but drop it's still a couple of significant digits y'all you do I, I, we don't I need to do the disgaea yeah. number inflation i think it's supposed to be like representative of like the population of like that section of uh shibuya but yeah it was it was a nightmare uh, i got like half of them but i'm not i'm not spending any more time with it i don't know the game is it's cool but um it just it never came together together for me to really, really click. So that was kind of a bummer. Like, again, it's not bad. I it, it it has a lot of style. It just doesn't feel like they were able to coalesce some of the good ideas into like a really cohesive, fun, I mean, interesting it package. Troubled development, switching it, hands a, it's, a couple of times. Right. So. It seems like it. It feels like they had to get something out. Um, yeah. like it, it feels like that this isn't their best work, um, unfortunately. And then today, 
I grabbed um, the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Yo, I just started playing that like a couple hours ago. Yeah, when I, I did out? too. Today, fucking, I think. It came oh, out really? the 27th, uh, yesterday. Oh, nice. Came out yesterday. Um, oh, it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm cracking up. I, I found the, the new content uh, section, uh, and I was in tears laughing so hard. Uh, I it's great. So I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. So that, that level, that like kind of, you know, the... Co- there's, you know, still the corporate sarcasm stuff, but there's a lot more stuff directly about the gaming industry and games and stuff. And it, oh, it's it's a blast. Um, I'm really happy it finally came to consoles because um, it was a game that I had gotten when I got my last computer when Valve was like, we're going to put some games on Mac and they're going to be great. And it ran like shit. So I played like five minutes of it. And um, so did I've been you, waiting for a console port ever since 2013 for that did you, game. Did you to finally the adventure play. line, Justin? I did. <laughs> um, what a wonderful, line. weird little experience. Yeah, but I, I highly recommend it. Um, I mean, it's basically for those that don't know, it's basically like walking simulator style game but like there's there's a narrator that responds to what you do and like you and him have kind of an antagonistic relationship and it's incredibly funny and it's it's it's, surprising what things you can do or actively don't do that cause the narrator to react and there's so much there's so much like ancillary dialogue and stuff for that oh and the the trophies and stuff Read their descriptions and try to follow them because uh, there's some really good, uh, some really good gags do it uh, in there. So I'm really enjoying that. I'm going to try to play through some more of the endings and stuff later tonight. CJ, my man, what you been playing? I've been playing this game called uh, Depression, meaning I haven't been playing games. Um, (laughs) I've been playing one game because I got it for review and it's like the only thing that I've been playing in between like everything. I, I will say I haven't been on this podcast in like at least a month or more. Um, and what I've been doing in that time is I've been going to the movies a lot. Sign up for AMC A-List. Pandemic yeah, why, don't you, why don't you talk about something something you love that's not a video game since I think that's I'm where gonna, this is headed. Well, I was gonna, I'll mention the video game I was playing after. Um, okay. I was, I've been going to the movie. It, it's been great. I've been going to the movies at least like once a week. It's been nice. Um, so, you know, I saw uh, beginning of April, I went to go see Sonic 2 early. I got like a screening pass for it. Called out of work. Um, loved it. I had a good time. Took my cousin to go see it. It was funny that we're the two oldest people there with no kids watching a Sonic film like early. Um, I saw Ambulance the week after. Still my favorite film of 2022 so far. I think it's like the singular greatest. Like it's one of those things where like the mid-budget action hard R action film can still exist. It's still viable and it can still look and and feel as, as great as this. It's like Michael Bay made a $40 million action film that looks better than most $200 million um, films. Like he crashed real cars. He, he, he was able to use drones in some interesting ways. And I was completely like blown away by it. I, 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 I think it's like, it, it, it's, it's a shame that there's a lot of these auteurs who won't get the funding that they can, that they like someone like Shyamalan or Michael Bay won't get like their triple digit, um, millions or whatever of like for, to to pay for like these movies. What and, would and, Michael Bay do with two hundred million dollars? Um, I just would, can't even think of no, it. He would have. I, 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 I don't know. 
I would. No, I, <laughs> I mean, there's a bunch of Transformers movies that can answer your question. Here's here's what like, would he do not shackled by a, an, a pre-existing IP? I guess I, I should he, say. I truly think he could make like no, his he would make his opus. Ambulance is his opus. It went from so it's like Ambulance is it condenses everything that makes Bay great, but it also feels like a a tribute to um to to a director like Tony Scott. And the whole time I'm watching, it's like oh. This is what movies have been missing for the last ten years, or however long it's been since Tony Scott died. And then, you know, I, immediately after, I went and watched *Man on Fire* and, and *Unstoppable*, and like, they truly do not make the these the, these kinds of films anymore. And I, I think *Ambulance* is like this like perfect encapsulation of like everything I love, especially about like auteur-driven action films. It's a hard R mid-budget action film that that released on like the, the premium formats. And I and I was able to watch it before a fucking stupid ass Harry Potter movie took over, and I was so sad. It didn't take over very much, did it? It didn't no. take over, my boy. No, um, <laughs> J- Justin sent me this really great um, letterbox review that was like, um, it was like what is, it was a negative review of everything, everywhere, all at once. It was like, didn't watch this, too busy having sex at, at the ambulance stop premiere, and I'm like, there we go. <laughs> um, uh, and then the week after, I didn't see anything. Then after that, I what this this past weekend I saw I, I double feature within the same weekend. I saw the Northman at the big Dolby screen. Um, I, completely like it's just one of those things where I'm like, this is exactly what I wanted. It's the disgusting, pulpy, um, brutal, like this visceral action film that is exactly what it was advertised. It's it. it, it dumps a lot of the fake Lynchian stuff that something like the lighthouse did, because as much as I like the lighthouse, that's the, that's one of those films that certain people watch. You can tell, all right, you've never seen anything past a certain, like your, your threshold for weird is very like, like, like limited because it's, if you thought that that's like the weirdest thing you've ever seen, no, um, but the, the Northman did what I wanted. It's basically a throwback to stuff like Conan the Barbarian or what's the one with Antonio Banderas. I was just talking about oh, 13th warrior or Valhalla rising where it's just ugly, brutal bone crunching, all this stuff. And I was able to watch on this big screen with the sound. It, I I was completely like in love with it to the point where I was at a family gathering immediately after, and my cousin who was supposed to come with me and see it, I, I just kept telling him. And during like the quiet, like you know, there's no like no no conversation going on. I'm scrolling on my phone. I'm like, oh, shit. There's a scene in the North Bend. <laughs> I'm still thinking. Of, there's a sequence. I'm still thinking about. Like there, there. It, it's just one of those things that I'm so. Like, I I'm still thinking about. I might go rewatch it on Sunday before it leaves Dolby because fucking Doctor Strange is going to take over every screen. And then on Sunday, I took Christine to go see Unbearable Weight of a Massive Talent, which I absolutely adored because it's one of those things where I'm a big fan of movies about movies or art in general, where they 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 understand what the struggle is. So something like Almost Famous or Blinded by the Light or Me and Earl and Dying Girl, where it's like it's about a character who loves something and they can't explain it. So in this case, it's about someone like Nicolas Cage who just loves acting. He loves the, the profession. He loves film. And it, it runs within some weird ways. It, it, it kind of lost me in the, like during like the there's like a the, the plot thread I didn't like too much. I really wish it was just like a hangout film. But there's some moments in there where I'm like fucking vigorously mansplaining the Christine. So that's a reference to a film to, to Mandy. <laughs> the, the, the shirt he's wearing is a reference to David Lynch's um um oh, fuck what's the movie called um and I was just talking fuck the Mulholland Drive. I no, no Mulholland Drive. No, no, I'm holding drive. There was a Nicolas Cage movie. He did. Oh my god, 
There's a movie that Nick Cage did with David Lynch in, in 1990, and he was wearing the shirt, and I was just talking about it. With some, hey, you but, know when you know when when Aragorn kicks the wild kicks at heart the helmet? is what Google wild at heart, broke yeah, wild heart, wild heart. heart. So he was wearing a shirt that said wild at heart, and I'm like, there, that's a reference to that, or the two guns from from Face Off. And it's one of those things where I, I'm like, okay, so this movie understands like what makes an actor like great. I, I always thought Nicolas Cage was like unfairly maligned as like a joke, but no, he's truly, I think, one of not my generation. Have you seen like, Pig yet? I haven't seen Pig. It's on my list. You need I, I, to see Pig. I gotta see Pig. You, you I haven't both seen need Pig to yet. see Pig. But I, because I, I, I watched Mandy recently, and I'm like, this is like, it's this not is not even remotely like that. No, no, that's why. But okay. like, I, but like, I, I studied up right before I went to go see Ambulance. The the first movie I watched was uh, The Rock. I'm like, All right, let's, let's two 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 birds with one stone. Good Michael Bay. Good the good Nicolas Cage. Loved it. I'm like, yes, Cage does like make some incredibly bizarre choices in that film that I love. And then Mandy, it's like it's telling it, it's showing you okay. This isn't a film where you know Nick Cage does the whole Nick Cage thing. He does it for one instance, but in a moment of like pure agonizing weakness, he does the whole "I'm going to go full Cage," um, and and I absolutely adored it. I and 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 something clicked when watching Mandy, and it's just like he, he, he again he is truly like like I said, not my generation, but like a one of the greatest actors to have ever like walked the earth. He's just he's just working all the time. It, it, no no harm in that. Um, so that's been it. Follow me on Letterbox, I guess. Anyway, the, <laughs> the, 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 the game I've been playing, the one, the one video game I've been playing for two weeks for review. And I finished my review. I have been playing Lego star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Yeah. And let me tell you guys something, man. Fuck out of here. Elden ring. Fuck out of here. Any other game release. Cause I've been following game stuff. This game is my fucking game of the year. You put it. it it's, it's not only a great Lego game. It's not only probably the greatest star Wars game I've played and Lord knows how long it is the thing that has gotten me back into Star Wars. The absolute a, a thing that I've had to wrestle with for the last three years. When Disney Plus came out, everyone else was watching The Mandalorian. Can you all guess what I was watching instead? Right, watching like you know hundreds and hundreds of Simpsons episodes instead because yeah. that's where my fucking priorities lie. I'm not watching this new Star Wars show. I'm watching the fucking Simpsons. I went to go see Rise of Skywalker in theaters. Fell asleep halfway through, even in the 4D seats that were like moving around. Um, and I just, I've ignored it. I've completely ignored the entire, the series hadn't, I never finished, um, Jedi Fallen Order. Um, I never watched any of the other shows. I watched one episode of Book of Boba Fett and I like fell asleep. This is the thing that made me remember, oh yeah, I was a young kid once whose dad took him to, to a fucking Best Buy the night Revenge of the Sith came on DVD. I was watching the, you know, one of the display TVs. And when we went home, he surprised me with the two-disc version, the full-screen version. Like, what is it? The, 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 back when DVDs were separated between widescreen and full-screen. Yeah. yeah. We got this sick-ass poster, too. Um, and it took me back to, like, yeah, I, I, I remember why, like, this series so much. Just, just today, I was watching some, like, fucking fluffy documentary on Disney Plus about the making of the original Star Wars trilogy. And my most depressed and, like, bored state, I have been doing nothing but watching prequel trilogy behind-the-scenes stuff. Watching George Lucas try his hardest to sell these movies is, like, like the pinnacle of filmmaking. Um, and I, I love it. I can thank, like, a fucking video game for that. Um, so, yeah, I've been having fun with it. Go go, go play it. <laughs> go play it. Um, just, like, jumping in just to the movie thing. Um, so... I also signed back up for AMC A list and like I actually got emotional <laughs> when I did because uh, so I haven't really talked about this on the show, but I was having a lot of like throughout the pandemic, I was having a lot of issues with just focusing on movies and TV shows and stuff. So games are like the only thing I could focus on. 
And so it was almost like I had like a two year gap where I wasn't able to enjoy any of that stuff. And I thankfully have a work schedule and the way theaters are around here, like I can see what like the seating arrangement is and stuff um, ahead of time. So I've been able to like go at times when there's nobody else in the theater um, safely to the theater, to the movies again. And it's like it feels like I got something back that I lost. And it's been it's been really, really great. Um, I didn't get a chance to see Ambulance or uh, uh, Massive Talent yet. I might see that one actually tomorrow. But um, I did see everything everywhere all at once. And I straight up cannot remember the last time I loved something as much as that movie. <laughs> I was if you haven't gotten a chance to see it, please go see it and try to support that movie, because it is just one of the most delightful, immaculately made movies I've ever seen. <laughs> so I guess I'll finish up real quick. Um, I haven't done a whole lot different. I think I mentioned last episode that I was replaying Tales of Vesperia and having a pretty good time with it. I need to take my time on most JRPGs, so what I have done in the meantime is I picked up and played and rolled credits on Resident Evil Village again. Uh, So this is the first time I've revisited since it launched, and I, man, I think it's still my favorite Resident Evil game. Uh, which is a wild fucking thing to say, but I can say after revisiting it, it, it's not just recency bias. It's everything I love about Resident Evil 7, about the Resident Evil 2 remake, and about Resident Evil 4 all wrapped in one package. It's not just because of the vampire Dommy Mommy, (laughs) which do not get me wrong, is a part of it, but it's, it's got such a wonderful variety of aesthetic and pacing and and the combat and exploration is super tight and all of the villains are so kind of interesting and varied and and captivating whenever they're on screen and i think it's also the first resident evil game to make me give a shit about chris redfield as a character because chris is is so generic and he's just big, he's big McLarge huge in every game. And Village, I think, does a better job of actually portraying kind of his bitterness, but also, like, the 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 small hidden depths of, of, of him fucking up and knowing that he's fucked up and, and being kind of bitter about that, but then also, you know, Ethan, Ethan main character being like, you know, I'm, I'm going to kill main bad guy. And you see that kind of like little, very subtle smirk in Chris's face as he's like, he's in over his head, but God, I love his gumption. And you know, it, it made me love our, our giant gay brick wall of a resident evil protagonist for the first time. Um, but, but yeah, I, uh, I've been playing resident evil village. It's good. Uh, I, I guess I'm playing fucking Donkey Kong 64 for a little bit while I wait for <laughs> oh, a no. Bro, listen, that game is wild because they turned my boy Funky into a warhead. I love it. <laughs> yeah. they, they, turned, they turned the chillest dude they in the They turned world. him into an InfoWars listener. Yes. Like. <laughs> if one, one of them had to. One of them had to. And you're not, I'm not, you know, Cranky wouldn't, like, Lanky wouldn't. No, no, it's Funky. Diddy's it's, too young. It had to be Funky, right? Did, no, no, but Funky It's that will, hippie to alt-right pipeline, the thing, right? Like... 
No, well, because, you know, it's like he's the typical white surfer dude, of course. Right. Like, yeah, he's, of course, you know. He'll, he'll disagree about a. Uh, he was like, bro, a, I was like a social libertarian, and then I started listening to. Like, yeah, wait, you guys heard of this, this dude? They're taking our bananas. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm waiting on a review code for a game I don't think I can mention um, yet. And until we get that, until I can start on it. Uh, I, I don't want to get too into anything. So I'm like, Donkey Kong 64 is a game that I can fuck around in for now and not feel bad about giving up on in two days, right? So, so that's what I've been playing. You're in deep now. You got to go 110%. Yeah. You've gone go. too far. Got to go all the way to 100, 102% right? yeah, like complete. That. So that brings us back to Finn again. Finn, you were up, the only member of the SDGC team brave enough to brave PAX East, and you made it out unscathed. Why don't you tell us about the best stuff you saw there? I know you handed out a couple of Saki awards while you were there. You know it. It's not a PAX unless I'm giving out some socks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I never stop loving the uh, description. Oh, also, Jeff saying unscathed, but they see a sling on my arm. That is a. Look, all I have to say <laughs> is don't talk back to Derek, OK? He seems gentle and kind, but yeah. uh, I know, you know I'm tiny, but they say fuck around and find out. I found out. <laughs> um, no, I fractured my elbow. It's not fun. I don't recommend it, especially if you're left handed and then it's your left hand. Um, what am I talking about? Oh yeah, packs. So I'm gonna pull up my notes. The thing you need to know about packs is this year, this was definitely the uh the the packs is back, but not fully year. Like it uh, it was small. Uh, it was like all the big dogs were gone. Like all of the packs staples. PlayStation was gone. Micro Xbox was gone. Nintendo was gone. Square Enix was gone. Of like the empty space where the mixer yeah. uh stage used to be and now yeah. there's just nothing and nothing took its place. Like uh food trucks. They they brought food trucks inside to take up that space. That's cool. Okay, that's actually that's actually pretty cool. It actually like food. Probably, probably no, but so less like less airports going off. Square Enix more. was gone. Bandai Namco is gone. Other like just staples like Fan Gamer, the people that are there to sell you stuff, they were not there. Twitch was not there. Um, Facebook Gaming was not there. Uh, what were some of them with Annapurna? Like these these booths that you always see there, just not there this time. Uh, so and then I thought, well, you know what? Maybe that that that's actually might be good because PAX for me has always been less about the AAA and more about the indie games. So maybe the indie games will have the highlight. But then the indie mega booth was also like, nah. So it, it was just it was a very small like you could have literally gone for one day and and hit up everything you wanted to hit up. Uh, like. It is what it is. I mean, I also uh, did our normal SDGC thing and I volunteered for with take this good, and I helped run man. their hope booth. Uh, so that was that was always that was a lot of fun. And that's the so, one thing I felt guilty about not going is we've so traditionally provided several bodies to help run yeah. and take this hope booth. No, yeah. it was great. I, I actually got to work next to a uh, friend of the show, Sarah. Uh, oh, the yeah. Booth. Nice. Um, so anyway, I mean, uh, that. Working the Hope Booth has honestly been a highlight every year I I've love done the it. Hope it's booth. so like, fulfilling. Hope Booth and AFK Room, they do good work. Yeah, I, I've, I've made good use of the AFK Room, too. 
So, however, there was still several just gems that I that I stumbled upon. Now, game of the show, I think, was a unanimous choice by almost everyone at PAX. And, and it was a lot easier to choose this year because smaller offerings. Right. But much, I, I, much heavier bias towards the indie side of things, which every kinda... single person I talk to. And I, I, if you're in the chat and you know someone that went or you are someone that went, feel free to correct me but I'm pretty sure TMNT Shredder's Revenge was far and away the uh, the star of the show. And um, I'm just going to gush a little bit because that game is perfection. It is everything you want in a beat-em-up brawler. It is the spiritual sequel to Turtles in Time that we never got. Uh, it is a love letter to not only that game, but also the entire uh, cartoon from that era. They just announced at PAX that the voice actors from this show, the original voice actors, are coming back to voice the game. I didn't know that. That rules. Yep. They and April O'Neil and Splinter as new playable characters. April is the best. That that is gonna be my main. Uh the animations in that game are so good. The quality of life stuff they added. So it's not just a, a like if you play Turtles in Time, you're gonna feel right at home. But you know, they've they've the, it's this is the same team that made Scott Pilgrim. And it's from the same uh, publisher that also gave us Ska Streets of Rage 4 different teams, but it's the same like crew. Oh, and they did uh, like Mercenary Kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, pa and Panzer Paladin. So they're like really good at pixel art stuff and they're 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 beat them up thing. And here's the thing that I loved unprompted. They were talking about their accessibility and how there's multiple uh, difficulty options so that people that aren't like graded beat em ups can still enjoy the game. And I thought that was really neat. I, you know, my ears always perk up for stuff like that, but like all the characters feel very distinct and very unique, which I love in a brawler, especially with the, with the turtles. Um, oh man, I'm just, I'm, isn't I'm, it great. We're getting two turtles games this year. It really is. Like, I, I'm, I started reading the comics this year for the first time and I'm like, Oh, Everything, everything's like going, going, going full so circle. So good. Um, what, what am I, what am I talking about? Hold on. Where, where did, where did Games my, packs. there we go. I popped up, I popped out my chat somehow. I don't know how I did that. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so, so Shredder's Revenge is phenomenal. The demo is the first two stages. Boss of stage one is, is Bebop. Second is Rocksteady. Uh, and I mean, if you play Turtles in Time, like some of the moments will just feel super familiar with to you. Like if you fall down a manhole, you'll get that that animation you expect. You can do the thing where you throw enemies into the screen. Uh, everyone has a taunt button now. And they did they, one of the my favorite changes they've ever made is one thing that I, I've always just never truly loved um, about beat em ups because and it, it's a staple, right? Like, tell me if I'm wrong, but. Whenever you use a super move, it takes some of your health. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's that was classic. always the uh, the the counterbalance. Like you don't want to spam your super move because then you'll be down to no health. This game does it differently. Your super is on a meter. Okay. And you don't you get meter by comboing and beating up enemies, so it encourages you to use it. There is no benefit for holding on to it, but in previous beat em up games. You never really wanted to use it until like a boss fight because then you'd be sacrificing your health. So that's one change. Surrounded really by liked. like eight dudes and you needed everybody yeah. off you. Exactly. Yeah. So as a whole, Shredder's Revenge, game of the show. 
by far. Uh, it comes out this summer. It's going to be so damn good. I'm excited. Uh, one of my other so uh, there there's four other games I want to talk to talk about. They those five made up my top five of the show. Um, the next one is for for fans of card based RPGs. Like if you like Slay the Spire, or if you had if you enjoyed Darkest Dungeon. Um, there is a new game by the creators of Foregone uh, called Power Chord. It is a music based. They called it Slay the Spire and Brutal Legend had a baby. I saw a little of this on Twitter. Oh, oh so good, dude. The game was great. So it's an RPG where you build up your crew of bandmates and then you have cards and each band member is 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 a different archetype. So the drummer is the tank and the singer is the support and the guitarist is like the rage berserker stuff like that and you get these cards and you go along a path and you fight increasingly stronger mobs and but the 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 strategy of of picking the cards and and equipping your characters was just so good and the art style was very darkest dungeony very comic book based it looked like like very strong cell shading style uh, you can the humor was very brutal legends inspired, but the gameplay is very slay the spire and very slay the inspired. Ah, uh, uh, I guess you could say this game struck a chord with me. Ah, I'm going to die. Uh, so power chord was another really good one. Um, another one in the same section. So there was no indie Megacade this year, but there was like a Kickstarter booth with like all these games that were like crowdfunded. Uh, and then another one in that same area was a game called cyber Knights flashpoint. Not the best name, but it gave me a, uh, an idea. So it is a, uh, isometric art strategy RPG, but instead of grid based, it's AP based. So you've got free roam, uh, but you can move wherever. It's a cyberpunk heist RPG. It's kind of XCOM-y. It's very XCOM-y, uh, but the heist aspect makes it unique. So you'll get this, this like mission, right? And then based on your character builds, you pick the sets. Like you'll pick the path you go and then you'll play through that path. So if you're going to be stealth, you're going to want to pick like the sewer path and instead of the front door path. And then you... you before the mission starts, you'll do like all this like uh, discussion based, like dialogue based stuff, choosing your options. Did you play XCOM Chimera Squad? I did. OK. Is it anything like how in Chimera Squad where you'd have to like kind of plan out the entry points for every person and to like you've got basically the more or less mission. Yeah. That's very. Yeah. yeah. So the pre mission thing where you get to pick your your your, your parts. And then the characters you choose, like, uh, and, and, and your choices you make, you know, typical RPG fashion. Uh, if your character dies, then suddenly their their plot point is now gone. But I had a lot of fun with the demo, which was just the first was a stage. I can't speak to if it's the first stage, but the gameplay was really cool. I, I, I'm always a fan of RPGs and the cyberpunk aesthetic never hurts. And they called it basically cyberpunk uh, Oceans 11, which you know you got you got me there you know exactly what buttons to press and they had the best way to get you into a booth which was showing a picture of a cyberpunk dog and they're like you can pet the dog and i'm like ah you got me me. (laughs) i'm in uh the other two games were both very similar very uh both could be described as 2d dark souls uh pixel art inspired 
you know, you know, the type like think hyperlight drifter aesthetic, but 2D Dark Soulsy combat. The first one is a humble games uh, joint called Moonscar. This game was this game. I love. OK, so humble games, they're like, all right, you have 30 minutes. You, you have these three games. You can swap however you want, you know, and then the next appointment comes. I'm like, cool, I'll start on Moonscar. They tap me on the shoulder like, all right, your time's up. The next person, they're like, but I'm still playing Moonscar. Hold on. The game was real good. Uh, go check out a trailer or something for it. Like aesthetically, it's very appealing. But the controls like these games, like it's part Metroidvania uh i guess like vaguely because you know it reminded me more of ori uh than than a traditional metroidvania um but the combat was so satisfying like you just some games just feel good to play and right off the bat like i just got the best vibes from this game and i just got lost in it so moonscar amazing and the final one i have is no place for bravery same kind of deal but more story based rpg with uh i i wish i every time i try and pull something up online it's all from like a year ago i don't know when they're gonna put up stuff from pax but the game was very uh kind of zelda e based more hyper light drifter a lot of puzzles involved but the combat was very visceral and and felt good and, and you'll die a lot uh, but it's one of those kinds where you're like, oh, I died, but only because I didn't fucking see this archer dude over here who just wrecked my shit. Next time I won't be so bad. And then I was and proud moment for me. I beat this one puzzle in the first try. And the guy looked at me and was like, no one's ever done that this whole show. And I'm like, that's because you got your boy Finn here. And also shout out to him because when I gave him our sake, he got visibly like emotional. I was like, this is the best way to end the show. I love this because the team's from Brazil uh, and it's five people from Brazil. And he was just so, and also his name is Matt, you know, Mateus. That's the shit I so, love about PAX is uh, meeting these little indie teams that have done everything to get to that six foot section. Right. And, you know? and you know what? It's just, uh, oh, also, I don't know if you guys remember friend of the show, Odell Harmon. Yeah. Who works for Stride now? He was representing the game, so I got to see okay, him when cool. I went in for the cool. for the uh, the meet. But yeah, it's uh those. If I had to pick my top five, uh, I'll stop rambling. But those would be my top five games of uh oh oh and uh uh our boy uh Scott Professor RPG from RPG University in chat going oh wow no Demio because that was the other game that we played significantly on, but. I'm not counting it because it technically already exists. It's out on VR. They're just they were pimping out their PC port. But we actually spent an hour and a half playing that demo together because normally, you know, packs, there's so much to do. You don't want to spend an hour and a half at a booth. But like I said, there was a lot less stuff to do here. So we sat down and played an hour and a half of this demo. and It was amazing. It's basically D&D inspired uh, like art strategy RPG. But it's cross play between VR and PC. Uh, we just had we had a fucking blast, dude. That game uh, definitely makes the cut. They got a sake as well. I just uh, I just didn't want to put it in my top five because I like to focus more on the new stuff. The new yeah. new. You know how it is. Also, <laughs> shout out to the Demio team, because when I left my Wild Bill's mug at the booth, they held on to it for me. Those are some good peeps. That's all good I got. Folks. That's PAX good East folks. in a nutshell. I, uh, I, I really want to make it to another PAX. 
And I will admit that I think a lot of us are still very nervous about COVID to going back. And it definitely doesn't help that like a bunch of people got COVID at GDC, a bunch of people got COVID at PAX, you know, but you know I what? Know. I, I can attest that it, it was not from lack of security at PAX. Well, Reb made an excellent point when talking about GDC, which seems like it was true for PAX as well, that the event itself was very tightly run, that they mm-hmm. were requiring proof of vaccination, that they were requiring people maintain, you know, masking and, yep. and that social distancing was enforced as well as it can be that the event is probably not the problem. It's the satellite stuff. It's all of the parties and the meetups. And part of the problem is that's a lot of what I want out of PAX too. Like half of it is getting to see these cool indies and, and see these people who have put everything into getting to that spot to show their game off. But it's a huge opportunity to see all of our friends in the media and content creation you know, who, you know, in, in, in development and PR, who we mostly just interact with through the web and, you know, that's the shit that's dangerous. So, I mean, and it's also, it's also just, I'm just wondering when like some of these bigger companies that you said, you know, didn't come back, will actually consider it acceptable to go to events again. I honestly think it'll be PAX West. Uh, the vibe I got was this show, was just because, because again, when you think about all the big companies that that didn't show up, there was Japan, and Japan just had a huge surge. Yeah. So I think that plays into it. I I expect PAX to be back up and running by PAX West, and if not, the absolute last least would be PAX Unplugged. Yeah. Uh, I think pa- PAX will come back. Like I think this was a very strong proof of concept for them that. The demand is there. I think a lot of people were waiting to see how a relatively large PAX would go before they committed to another one. Yeah, because right? like GDC is a different thing because that's an industry event. Um, but this is kind of like the first like bigger gaming um, event that's happened since. Then. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I um, we'll just have to see. I miss. I mean, PAX. everyone's mile- mileage will vary, but I think with his care I, it makes me feel better when the event takes it seriously yeah and yeah, for sure you know what even at the satellite events like scott and i were still masked up uh and i think that's why scott and i didn't get covid and a bit of i mean even if we were i'm because i know lots of people that were masked up and still got it and it's a sure, crap sure, shoot. Sure. it's russian it's, roulette and that's but, that's so important is like we can talk about how this is still kind of risky and and you know that I think I've seen a couple of people when confronted with the idea that this is risky immediately jump to the idea that acknowledging that is victim blaming in some way. Right. And that's absolutely not the case because it's not your fault. If you go to something like this and you take precautions and you get COVID, right? Like we're in, we've been doing this for two fucking years, you know, like, People do eventually have to venture out there to some degree. I don't like the you can't live in fear bullshit, but like eventually we've done what we can and it's time to start cautiously venturing out. But like there's also probably a lot of people that 
have to for work or yeah, like that's- and like you know people that are more into like actually making money from content creation than we are like they like it's and i mean pro- and probably also um like the networking element of it too yeah. like so it's not they can't just like dip that's into probably the event huge for a lot get- of people's mental health just to see yeah. friends again you um, know i mean so, so like yeah so they, no, no blaming at all for, I think it was risky, but that's not me finger wagging at anybody who went, you know, that's not me finger wagging at anybody who caught COVID. That's, you know, and I, it happened there. a lot where people were like, Hey, where's the rest of the crew? And I just be like, I was the only one that felt comfortable coming this time. The yeah. rest will try and make it in a future show, you know, and, and everyone, no one was like, Oh, I can't believe that they are still so scared. Everyone was like, every single person was like, Oh yeah, that's cool. Like no yeah. one, no one faults anyone for not wanting to go yeah. because of personal safety reasons. I think ultimately we all understand that out of each other at this point. I, I at think least anybody, the people we run with, you know, right? And anybody also, like, I mean, like Derek and I both got very sick at the last at the last PAX. Yeah, like, how many people did we infect with the flu at PAX oh, East twenty twenty? Um, like right when when COVID was breaking out in yeah. Boston, we. I probably single-handedly caused a lot of terror <laughs> in Boston in March of 2020. Like, you know, so, I, but I think... I still feel like you guys got COVID. I know the testing I, and no, all that. I, yeah, I got tested, they, they never... They, I just have a feeling. They never tested me for it, and... I was still feeling stuff months after the fact. I think I might have actually got no, him. <laughs> again, here's the thing. Martha had the flu before I came out. I got it from her because she was sick and had been sick for days oh, was when I got on zero. that plane. I was. And when I got back, even when I was done with the flu, I had pneumonia. Like the strain of the flu that I had and that I gave to everybody was a strain that probably gave a lot of people pneumonia too. So Bustin, you had pneumonia. <laughs> like I, I was that was some of the sickest I I've ever been in my life. Viral <laughs> pneumonia, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we'll we'll be back at PAX at some point. It's um, but you know, I think I think we're all those of us who are in good faith in this kind of intersection of like media PR content creator types, hobbyists, we all get it. None of us are really pointing fingers at each other about, you know, being too cautious or too risky because we all get it. You know, we're all human beings. So I, um, I'm trying to think, I don't have anything else to go over about because none of us fucking went. It was just you. Fam. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like we have a really great. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, talking about, I just wanted to talk about the five yeah. games. Game of the played. show was Azure Lane for PS4. <laughs> Game of, uh, I will say there. The tabletop area was really dope. Uh, Scott brought me into to play this one game called Dice Throne. Oh, yeah, that was a fucking blast. And I will shout out that I kicked his ass hardcore on my first ever playthrough by pulling out an ultimate to take out the rest of his life while he was like thinking he was going to win. But then he didn't because I'm a boss. Uh, And that's that's all I got to say about that. But no, it's a what I love about PAX is that it's more than just video games. There's so much tabletop and card games if you want to like branch out beyond the main area. Uh, And then. Yeah, take this as a great organization. Look into supporting them. I will always pimp them out. Yes. So I want to move on to our 
main actual like predetermined topic for the night, which is PlayStation's been making some moves in regards to trying to spread and keep their games alive. They have been hiring, if I remember correctly, they were they either just hired or were hiring for a new lead for their PC gaming division. That right? is Somebody a, to lead up that is a job listing that it's has not listing. been so filled yet. They're, so they're hiring for somebody to basically be like the lead for their PC release strategy. PC strategy, yeah. yeah. Their PC releases have done really well. Like God of War. Um, All of them have done really well. It's yeah. God of like, War, it's Days good, Gone, and it's Horizon. Largely they've been good ports, and people like the PC community has really like embraced them, I think. Yeah. yeah. Horizon, yeah, I know, needed to be cleaned up, but it sounds like they put in the work to get that. Yeah. Well, that was the first one of their port. earlier. That was, the, too, that right? was like the first big one. Yeah. But I like I played through the game on PC and, you know, what, a couple months ago? And, and it's, it was in really good shape. They were still point. putting out like major patches for it, I think, as recently as like just before Christmas or something. There yeah. was a big update. Like, and just they were supported before, with excellent sales. So Yeah, yeah. And just I think it was like just before Forbidden West came out, Nixie's basically did another pass on that PC port. Yeah. Um, and just released a patch out of nowhere. We didn't know it was coming. But yeah, no, they... The one the the one port that needed the most cleaning up, they put in the work to get into good a good place. Yeah. So we've got that. And at the same time, uh, we have word that Sony is putting together a, a preservation team of sorts to to it's it's relatively unclear what the specific focus is gonna be, but the idea that Sony is going to have a preservation focused team within their PlayStation division is very interesting to me. I think um, the, um, sorry, Doug, you said that it, you know, about the focus. I think what I read was, uh, cause it, that's like really vague, but I think right. what I read either from the person who was tweeting about it or someone else, it sounds like it's basically, it's not like, uh, what people want out of games preservation, like all your favorite games are going to be available on PS five. It's like, yeah, they're, they're very early in the process. It's about like making sure the code is backed up. Um, all the different builds and releases of the game from its development, all the assets, things like that. So it's kind of that it's basically filing everything so that in the future, if they want to pull from it for like a remaster or, you know, a sequel, you know, anything like that, it's just, it's basically putting everything on the shelf so that if someone needs it, they can pull from it. It doesn't mean they're actively re-releasing, uh, yeah. all these games, but it's a good first step because most companies aren't even making this effort to begin with. Yeah. Well, and I think also, I mean, a handful of pl new PlayStation classics have started appearing on the uh, PlayStation really? backend. Uh, they're, they're not available yet, but people that uh, have, you know, done some of the tracking on like backend uh, PSN stuff have noticed that they're, you know, there's a handful that are starting to come out, which we know, you know, there's the new service coming. So, I mean, having this team means that some of those things are going to be on the table. It doesn't mean that they're actively working on it, but it means that some of those things are on the table. We know they're doing their new service, which is going to have, you know, some more support. And, um, yeah. So I, I'm just happy to hear that they're going to be working on this for long term. I, I expect that it's the big, very early days in a very long term project, but, um, mm -hmm happy to see that they're putting in the effort to get some people on. And I know there's some people that are really pass passionate about PlayStation preservation in particular. Um, 
So I CJ's like chomping yeah. at the bit. Well, I, listen, I just want to play Sly Cooper, and I don't want to pull out my fucking PS3 for Sony. Do what you got to do. <laughs> I've never played any of the Bro, Sly Cooper games. Listen, I'd look, like. Look. Sucker Punch doesn't want to make fun games anymore. Fine, release their old ones, please. For the love of God, please, just release fucking Sly Cooper again, Sony. I'd love oh. to play stuff like Sly Cooper and not have to just emulate it and pirate it, right? Like, I'd love to support it. Do it anyway. Teach them a lesson because well, I my my computer can't run the PS3 emulator. <laughs> do, it anyway. do, do it for me. <laughs> Were they PS3 or PS2 games? Um, there was a great HD remaster on PS3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so okay. Sly Four was a PS3 game. Sly, Sly Four was a PS3 and Vita game, f- early Vita right. game. That's right, right. I remember well. that. Yes. It was like cross cross yeah. by, right? So, so yeah, so yeah, I, like the, the Sony. The thing with Sony um, and Nintendo is like Microsoft's doing all this great stuff with uh, backwards compatibility and everything. But here's here's the, the thing. They haven't been in the game long enough to have to cultivate as iconic or as big as a library. If you notice, most of the the big Xbox backwards compatible games, mostly third party stuff. Like today, I bought Star Wars: The Force Unleashed. Is that what you would consider an Xbox classic? No. Yeah, cameo yeah, doesn't hit quite the same. Yeah. <laughs> and like most of their Stubbs big the stuff, zombie, like, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> yo, did Stubbs get like a legit remaster yeah, on like re- every platform yeah. a year ago yeah. or something yeah. like that? Like the only good game, like the the greatest legacy title from the Xbox is uh, Conquer Live Reloaded, and that's backwards compatible. Compatible. Um, so it's like if if Nintendo, like, listen, Nintendo's kind of fumbling the bag a bit with their uh, their uh, preservation. That's the story of Nintendo, to be fair. So, you know, it's like, hey, pay sixty dollars a year for like busted ass N sixty four games, you know, and Sega Genesis games for whatever reason. Um, I'm, I'm just so, amazed that they keep managing to put out so many games I've never fucking heard of for their like NES. because they ran out. They fucking ran out. They're like, yeah, it's like you know, they they're keeping Super Mario sixty four away in some cage, and they're like, here you go, have fucking Bubsy on your fucking uh, <laughs> your fucking yeah. like Switch. But you want like, to play Kirby sixty four? Shut the fuck up! Yeah. You want to you want to play Mega Man two? Go fuck yourself! Like, <laughs> so if if Sony like my thing is I don't get why companies just aren't like what's everyone else doing? Let's react to that. I don't get it. I don't get why it's not like a thing like that. Because if Sony's seeing the way Microsoft's doing backwards compatibility and they don't realize, okay, Microsoft's doing this great thing. Everyone loves it. No one uses it, but everyone loves it, right? It's like the percentage of people who use backwards compatibility compatibility stuff is like they play the games for like five minutes exactly um like me um but i do have new games too so if you if if sony should be like our back catalog is like arguably one of the strongest of any of the big three any of the big three because they not only have their first party stuff they have a bunch of third party things too that were only released on that you know what i'm saying like countless rpgs countless survival horror games all this stuff i don't get why sony isn't jumping at like the 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 chance to just like drop it all somehow like if you guys the, the ps3 had like almost virtually every single ps1 and ps2 game ever made on that service they have fucking the star wars was three revenge of the sith on fucking ps2 <laughs> like you buy it on the ps3 store for some reason like they had all this shit i don't know why they're not like this this wasn't done earlier like a, a sort of like preservation team at like the beginning of the ps4 life cycle i think like the thing about Sony is they're slow on stuff like this, but I think seeing that they're making a preservation team, that they have this, you know, service coming up that they want you to pay extra money every month for to have access to classic games. Like, 
I think they're going to slowly get there. I do not have high hopes for the early days selection. No, it's gonna be it's oh, gonna be it's gonna be sparse. No, it's gonna be fucking what? Um, they're gonna find some way to shoehorn the original Final Fantasy VII in there somehow. They're gonna find some way to shoehorn like the one of the original Resident Evil games. But they could do that. That'd be great. I guess, but it's like, but you get what I'm saying. It's gonna be stuff yeah. that's already been released in better ways. They're not gonna, they're not gonna drop Pac-Man World. Can I play Tomba? They should drop Tomba. Like, they should drop Tomba. They should drop fucking. Remember the the, the okay? Because I, I pulled up the list. Do you guys can remember I play oh, Einhander? You know, do you what guys I mean? remember like, a little a little device called the uh, PlayStation Classic? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> guys, look at this list of games. I don't know if you guys remember. Like, it was like, like <laughs> it's it's not good. It's, it's amazing. Insane. So, Battle Arena Toshinden, Cool Borders Two, Destruction Derby, Final Fantasy Seven, the original GTA, Intelligence Cube, Jumping Flash, Metal Gear Solid, Mister Driller, Oddworld Age Odyssey, Rayman. Mister Driller. Oh, it's a great name for Mister Driller. Was legit good. Yeah. No, no. Okay. But it's like, bro, fucking Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. What the fuck? Who is that for? Who who is who is that for? The original Rainbow Six. The original Rainbow Six. Who like on PlayStation? Uh, like, which that was not a good oh, port of that the, game either. The first Persona. The first Persona game. Yeah, you know I'm saying like it, it, it's such a bizarre thing that like they fumbled. That's my. They're gonna get it, Justin. Like I, I worry that it's gonna be somehow worse than that lineup. My. I think the, um. Or, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say my like barometer for whether or not like if they're gonna have PS2 games right preserved if they're gonna have ps2 games on this service my barometer for have they done their job right is grandia 3 and the reason for that is grandia 3 is like kind of noteworthy not really like it's an existing jrpg series and a semi-noteworthy title but nobody's like chomping at the bit for it most anybody remembers about that game is that is is the the anime ass song opening and that the mom is like weirdly hot in, in a way that shouldn't be acceptable. What's game <laughs> Grandia, <laughs> Grandia three, man. But like, if Grandia three is there, then they have hit everything important and they're moving on to like the B and C list. No, man. What is this? I have to play this game. <laughs> the, the issue. The, also, the other issue that I think. It doesn't get talked about a lot is there are severe licensing issues for a lot of older games. Um, That's actually why Microsoft has said they're now no longer adding stuff to the backwards compatibility catalog. And then a lot of stuff is also disc only. Like you can play it if you have the disc, but like because like the way it works on Xbox is you're not playing it from the disc. You put in the disc to verify you own it and then you download it, but they can't put it up for sale separately. Like, Microsoft's basically had to put an end to that program because of licensing issues. And especially I think for PS one era stuff, that might be a bigger deal because a whole, a whole lot of a big deal in, you know, PS one era was we can put real music on because it's on a CD. Well, and Japanese and, copyright law is yeah. so but weird. Aren't most of those, like all those PS one classics that I own on like my Vita and PS three, aren't those still up on the store or have those been slowly pulled? I'm not like, sure of the. Status I don't understand right how now. the licensing is different if they like still have them up on one platform. But you, I, I think you literally have to submit, resubmit it to the ESRB oh, because okay. it's not rated for PS4 or PS5 or something like that. I think it's something dumb like that. There are a 
du- there are a lot of weirdly weird. There, there was an article I read like a while ago, like that that it basically broke down the process of like re-releasing games as simple as like a simple like port like again like dragging the rom into like a, the ps store and yeah it's it's a it's a pain to prop to do because again like you said you gotta re-rate it it's all legal shit yeah exactly um now here's my counterpoint i don't care uh, I yeah, fair I, I, I no, mean that, so that is that is totally fair they have enough money they could do it they could they, the headache should be worth it my thing is, even if no one buys these games, the goodwill should pay. It should be payment enough for Sony. You get what I'm saying? Like controlling that conversation. The day that they they decide, all right, hundreds of PS1 and PS2 games are on the store now. No one's going to talk about whatever fucking backwards compatible. Or at least do it with all the games that they control oh, and yes. say, look, we have the emulation capability at this point. So if you want fucking. Uh, whatever like cooper like fucking yeah. cooper drop the fucking right? game up. put sly cooper up there put all these games up there and then you say look if you want fucking deception 2 on our service then you go talk to tecmo right because we're cool with it if they're cool with it put it on it's so weird that these that sony and nintendo have been the blockade in so many ways for making this easier. Like if, if Nintendo made it easier before now, right. To have NES emulation on console with the switch, right. We wouldn't have needed to wait for a mega man collections. Right. And, and, and get out there with messaging and say, look, we're like, we'll put Castlevania up there, right. We'll put Castlevania two up there. But, but Konami's got to do it, right? Like, pass that buck. You will you will earn a lot of goodwill, I feel my, like. My, like, if Microsoft was willing to put in the work to license, like, some weird third party and, like, like actual, what is it, like, adaptations and license property, like, the fucking Peter Jackson King Kong game is backwards compatible. A bunch of Star Wars games are backwards compatible. A fucking SpongeBob game was, like, made free for... Xbox on Xbox Live games of gold. It's a 360 game. My thing is, if they were willing to put in the work, that fucking headache-inducing work of like licensing these things out, I think you're right. Sony could do it with at least their internal um, games that aren't out yet, like or haven't been re-released, like Jack and Daxter or stuff like that. That's already been. You can buy it right now on on PS4, or PS5. Like I own them, but like everything else, you would think that they can just fill in those gaps themselves. I don't know why it's taking this long. I don't know, but having a preservation team is good, right? I mean, you know, Jeff, like you said, it's it's not like games are going to start getting ported tomorrow, right? But if they're going to actually start filing these games away, maintaining source code, keeping these things available, working on emulation, then like this is a process that will have a slow start, but will pay off. In the and I think that's the problem is businesses don't like long term. It's all short term gains. So something like games preservation is inherently kind of backwards to most companies who do not like to think about yeah. the long term. Knows who knows how long people have been fighting internally to try to get this formed? <laughs> because if they got it formed, that means that they are going to be in for a long haul on it. But it probably took a lot of people a lot of convincing for higher ups to actually expand um expand into creating this team yeah i um 
I think the other thing people don't realize is like, you know, yeah, yes, all these companies, especially Sony and Nintendo, could do a better job and make more effort into like making them available. But the mistakes of yesterday are not easily fixed. Like yes. Microsoft, I mean, Microsoft is a software company first. Like, you know, they've been around with Windows for so long, um, but the foresight into the architecture in each Xbox and the evolution between all of them and kind of the planning that allowed them to kind of support each previous one with the next one. Whereas yeah. I think Sony kind of just each release, each console, each game, they didn't put any thought into like the bigger picture. And now it's like, Oh fuck. How do we, we have all these pieces that don't fit. Like you there can't were just... a lot of people at the time though, <laughs> that looked at the cell processor and were yeah. like, this is going to fuck this you. This is a bad idea. And yeah. it was a bad but idea. It sure. Yeah, was. Again, that just, I, I've said it a bunch, but they're still, getting screwed over by bad decisions that they made in the PS3 yeah. era. Well, well, and, I think it took and, so long to change your username. Like, cause yeah. what a and nightmare. Maybe that's a big part of where the preservation team comes in too, right? Is it's not just compiling games, and getting emulation ready, but it's about having people who can say like these decisions would be bad, you know, in your infrastructure, in your system design, would be bad for you long term. It's not just backwards compatibility, it's forwards compatibility, right? Like the number one fear every Nintendo fan has is that there won't be a Switch 2, right? Like yeah. that they will just make some new bullshit up and then we're going to be back at square one. And eventually you have to start thinking about how, when you were designing something going, how do I make sure this doesn't get left in the past? What I'm making now and like you said, Jeff, some of these mistakes that were made a decade plus, you know, ago, it's going to be really hard to fix some of those mistakes if they can even be fixed. Some games may get lost to time, right? There's a couple notoriously difficult to run PS3 games that may never be able to get decompiled and, you know, like re, you know, I just want Metal Gear Solid 4, man. I mean, yeah, I've I actually know. been I've actually been looking into um some ps3 emulation stuff lately df actually did a video on mgs4 emulated and that's like they played it on like a 12 900 k uh 3090 rig and it still has frame drops (laughs) in like some places (laughs) like i've been reading in i've been reading about it and like some of the stuff the just the way the cell processor is architected like the only way to get some stuff to run is actually to deactivate certain things like um a big one and this is very technical so forgive me but like there was an aa method that sony had and they wanted people to use called mlaa mm-hmm. and it takes five milliseconds of render time on every single core which the way the cell was architected is not a big deal however on a modern cpu with also the because you have to have several orders of magnitude more processing power for accurate emulation it literally just is like the only way to get stuff to run is to just turn that off (laughs) and then then it'll work but like like the ps3 is one of just the most ridiculously designed pieces of consumer like electronics ever made why would they fucking release that? <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, and and this is kind of where I roped the PC strategy team into this because I do genuinely think, I've always been a big believer that if you want to talk preservation, 
you kind of do have to talk PC, right? Because games that get released on PC, there's 20 plus, there's 30 year old games almost that I can run on this computer right here. You know, I might need a couple mm-hmm. little fixes to get some some older, like 90s and earlier, you know, stuff to run. But for the most part, it's not the end of the world to get old PC games up and running. And also, like a lot of times, if it seems like they're like the PC ports have been good, which bodes well for them lasting for a while. But well, also, the if they stop working, Fans will probably fix it for you so they yeah. don't have to down the line, you know, well, do some of these updates and making get it running. a decent PC port. The process of doing so kind of creates a version that is often very easy to reverse engineer if you ever want to port it again in the future. Right. I mean, so many of like the recent remasters and re-releases on consoles are basically a lot of them are just PC ports. Yeah, they're basically taking the PC having, version and prettying yeah. them up and yeah. putting them on, you know, the the X sixty uh, four based hardware that the yeah. PlayStation and Xbox run on. Like, oh Finn, that's that's fair. If you gotta go, I love you, bud. I do. I'm Thank sorry. Thank you for no. regaling us with stories of past. Yes, and and braving the savage Northeast for us. I love you all. You were a king. Got some sleep. Uh, now allow me to rank my favorite STG members canonically from <laughs> best to worst. Um, I'm, I'm listening. Go. Does it end with Brittany? It. it, it she's the alpha <laughs> and <Jesus>. the omega. <laughs> <laughs> the All top right, and y'all. the bottom. Oh, I, th- I think the word is switch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye guys. Later, bud. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's always what happens with these PC ports is they they end up being able to be easily reverse engineered uh, so that games don't have to be completely fucking remade from scratch in the future. So well, and I think also like architecturally, both Sony and Microsoft are now kind of in a place between the last couple generations where that becomes yeah. much simpler to begin yeah, with last generation. This generation um, is basically using PC hardware. It's X64 X- based architecture. It's yeah. the same shit. I mean, how many times are the games running on a PC at like a demo event or something right, like that? Right. Like, exactly. You know, and, and even switch, I mean, okay. Switch is running on, on uh different hardware, but it's ARM and ARM mm-hmm. hardware is, often relatively easy to work with in terms of of porting so yeah. it's not been super hard to get games you know PC from, from games my understanding from my understanding with switch porting it's more of lack of power on offer versus the actual architectural yeah, yeah, differences it's gotta be it's got to be held back a bit in order for it to keep any battery life at all in handheld format and you know i mean that's just that that's why every Nintendo rumor monger has been obsessed with the idea of <laughs> Switch Pro or Pro. Switch Two having DLSS, which would genuinely be huge for a handheld. But you know, I mean, it's rumor mill shit. But but yeah, so I think it's kind of kind of interesting though to see Sony approaching both avenues really at the same time, and I'm hoping maybe that's a recognition that like, hey. If mm-hmm. we put some of these games on PC, because also come PS6 or whatever, like if people can play God of War and God of War Ragnarok on PC and they can't on PS6, 
That's, I mean, that's that's probably that's not going to happen. I don't so that, see that right, happening. But that but, gives you all the more reason to continue yeah. being forward compatible because you don't yeah. want to be the worst place to play your own game. Well, and I also so. think I also think that now that teams like Bluepoint and Nixies are a part of PlayStation, they have a lot of experience porting games um, and doing really great tech work. And I think that can be very, very important um, in this a lot because there's yeah. a lot of Japanese companies that really have never gotten dipped their toes into PC development and have never considered PC a serious platform. And so well, one I, thing that's Sony's, also, Oh, go ahead, Jeff. No, I was just gonna say real quick. Sony's done a great job with that. Just overall, like looking at what are our weaknesses and making efforts to bring in, um, you know, organizations or groups that can help them there. It's the same thing, what they did with Bungie, right? Like, you know, there's probably multiple reasons for that deal, but one of the big ones was like, they know multiplayer, they know live service games. We don't, especially in recent history, have a lot of experience that avenue. So like, fuck it, let's bring in the people who do. And that's what they did with these PC, um, you know, these studios that have a lot of experience with remasters and PCs as well Is they're just building that stable of knowledge. And hopefully um, they have a good system kind of organizationally where all that uh, information can get across to all the teams and really benefit everyone. And one thing, just talking preservation and like future compatibility and stuff, they finally released the VRR update for PS5, which if you don't know, VRR stands for variable refresh rate. I do not even have a TV that can support it yet, unfortunately, but it allows for games to still seem very smooth when their frame rates are wavering. And Insomniac actually made all of their PS5 releases, if you have have it set up properly, run completely uncapped. Um, so, like, you can run the fidelity modes, which were capped at 30 FPS previously, of Spider-Man Remastered, Miles Morales, and um, Ratchet and Clank, at now at, like, 50 to 60 FPS. Um, and it'll still seem very smooth and, you know, you get stuff and that stuff's awesome for future compatibility because it means they don't have to go back and make changes to these games. They'll actually will be enhancements to, you know, resolution and frame rate and stuff kind of automatically done, which that's really cool. Um, I love the idea of having like the willingness on consoles to give people a couple of different like profiles and options for performance versus resolution Mm -hmm. because you're building that scalability into the games now and well, that's and now only good for future. we saw so many games on ps5 that like from ps4 games that had uh you know like an uncapped frame rate or dynamic resolution and there was no patch needed it's like it's they like just ran at 4k 60 power, on yeah. ps5 like Se- like sekiro was a game that i yeah. had issues with because of performance and playing it on ps5 is super smooth so now like with the way they implemented the options um like you can run it at like on PS6, you'll be able to run it at full 4K, 60 FPS, maybe even higher um, without them having to do anything, which I think is really great. Um, and probably by then that the type of TVs necessary, people will actually have more of them. I wish I had one, but unfortunately I do not. I wish I could test it. You know, what's interesting is I saw um, and I didn't understand this at first. But a couple of PlayStation first party games have been getting 40 FPS modes. It's only and, been Insomniac that's done this. Yeah. 
But it's a cool idea. I didn't at first. I was like, "Well, that's a random fucking number, isn't it?" But I thought about it. It's and only for 120 what? hertz displays. If you have a 120 hertz display, yeah, right, so that you can do that, and you've got the overhead to bump your your quality mode from 30 to 40 fps anyway. Why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, and actually, like math wise, um, with like millis when you get into the milliseconds, it's actually. Even even though number wise it doesn't seem like it, it's actually the exact midpoint between thirty and sixty FPS. So yeah. like you get a pretty decent benefit. But this they actually went a step further now, where oh, instead of just going to forty, it'll actually go up to between fifty and sixty um, in even these fidelity modes, which is really cool. So the um, although then there's stuff like Ghostwire, which literally has six different graphics modes. That's a bit much. And it's like. even even for somebody like me who is very knowledgeable about technical stuff and likes this stuff, it was just too much. Part of the reasons I like consoles is it's still kind of like, you know, developers curated experience. And it was just and also most of them don't work very well. <laughs> Like, unless maybe now with the VRR update, they'd be great. Feels like it was made for a VRR display more than anything else. But like, yeah, the don't don't do that. Give me a a quality mode, a performance mode, like a quality mode that aims to hit 4K and will fluctuate in frame rate or 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 hit like a stable 30. 30. Give an option for a cap. Yeah. 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 But but give me like a 30 FPS mode that goes for the highest resolution possible. Give me a 60 FPS mode with resolution scaling to keep that target. Right. Give me those two. That's all we fucking need. Maybe well, if you na- want to do the insomniac thing and give me like a ray tracing performance option. Oh, sure. With the, with the VRR update that runs like now it runs at like 90 to 100 FPS with ray Hell tracing on yeah. <laughs> like in, in their games. That's like that's awesome. The fucking <laughs> rules, dude. I will. It just means a lot. I, I'm so glad that everybody understands that we could do better than 30 FPS this whole time. <laughs> but but yeah, like I just think it's important that that Sony is looking at this shit. I wish Nintendo would get on board. I know they're likely never going to because it's Nintendo, but, you know, I, think, you I feel have, like one day they will just accidentally stumble their way into like the right. Sure. Well, direction. eventually these gaming companies will be run by people who have played video games before. Right. Like, Because <laughs> that's kind of the secret is most of these companies are run by people who don't fuck with video really games. Really old dudes. It's just old. I mean, even Reggie used to famously like kind of pride himself on not actually playing a lot of video games. And it's like, I get it. You're CEO, right? Or a, or a general manager. You, you don't have time to play four hours of games a day, but like you should be invested like, in the art form off topic. But man, I looked at like Shuhei Yoshida's trophy list one time. And oh like, my God, he, that guy is, that guy is crazy. That's a beast. Yo, Shuhei, uh, Yoshida and Mark Cerny are hardcore. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I've looked at their trophy lists and like, like Cerny tweets like three times a year and it's all about like platinum and it's always just like, oh, platinum's like demon souls or something like that. Well, with Cerny, it kind of makes sense given, yeah. his, given his origins and, you know, working 
you know, with like Sega in the nineties and yeah. shit. So, but, but yeah, like, and yeah, it, like the, just watches a bunch of movies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what? The man cares about an art form, right? He clearly yeah. doesn't like video games and wishes he was just making movies, but he's bringing that passion for art and creation. Like to video games. Yeah. <laughs> and that means in his new studio just has like, Two rooms and one is Mads Mikkelsen's office. Yeah. And the other is like the entire development team. But like that means something. You've got to have yeah. artists involved in this. And even if you don't have artists, you have to have people who have a passion for the art. Kevin Feige famously did not give much of a shit about Marvel. <laughs> you know, he was just a movie producer who cared about movies. And he made the most fucking successful like series of movies ever producing not because he started out as a big Marvel nerd, but just because he understood that like, this is a thing. This is how we're going to incite people's passions. And I wish that more of these suits at these gaming companies at least had that level of understanding or passion for the art form beyond PR speak. And eventually we'll get there. But right now, most of these 50, 60, 70 year old people just have not interacted with video games in a meaningful way. You know? Thankfully, though, a lot of studio heads. Yes. Um, especially especially at the first parties. Like, yeah, look at like Nintendo famously. Yeah. You know, they're look at, you know, having people like Mark Cerny move up within PlayStation is excellent for them. Or Herman Hulse. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 excellent to see stuff like this preservation team. Um, I worry that th- we won't see a real sea change until non-gamers become old enough to retire, (laughs) right? Like we have to take over, but, um, are you telling me, are you saying gamers need to rise? Gamers do need to rise up, (laughs) but what gamers need to do is they need to button one more button on their, their fucking polos and they need to trade their, their, uh, khakis for some better slacks and they need to get their asses promoted. Right. You got to be at least gamer supervisor and up so we can change this shit. It's not enough to just be a floor level gamer anymore. I'm totally right? going to take this clip out of context. The era of khaki cargo shorts and green Legend of Zelda t-shirts is Oh over. my god. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh my god. Stop I thought it was all graphic now. Oh my god. That's even worse. That's even worse. Yeah. Oh my god, you're right. Oh, the fucking Hot Topic core. Soup. Soup. Oh. An, an indie game shirt, man. Let's go. <laughs> slap a slap a short sleeve button up over the graphic tee. You've immediately oh. leveled oh. up. Oh. Come on, man. We yeah, played in terms. <laughs> hey guys, a shower is a is, is a great XP. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I think, now I think the right enough. the right person to um, lead this movement is Gamer Morbius, Justin. He's the only one. Only one. (laughs) Uh, Folks, we are are past our time here. I want to thank all of you for joining us tonight. This is a good night. This is a fun night. We needed this. Several faces who haven't been able to be on in a little while. We're here. Uh, You know, Justin and CJ, y'all haven't been on in in a few weeks. And and Finn, we haven't had on in forever. Uh, So that was excellent to have him for while we could. Um, We have a couple of things to throw out in the chat as per usual. We have a Discord. It's pretty cool. It's full of good people. Uh, it's full of excellent community managers. RAR told me to talk about something 
Uh, I think we're changing up the way that we do a lot of notifications on the Discord. I've had bourbon, so unfortunately I'm not in a good shape to to perform the announcement. But if you're part of the Discord, RAR will post an excellent announcement as to the changes we're making so that uh, you can can get into like... Role reaction based roles that get you. Rar has been hard in the bot labs. He he makes bots for fun. Yeah, Rar is going to be the been, reason that we get killed by robots eventually. But yeah, eventually we we yeah. got time. Right now he's just making the Discord better. Honestly, um, we deserve it. And so <laughs> yeah, so he's been streamlining how we're handling like pronouns as well as notifications and stuff. So um, it's going to be a much more uh, simple. Uh, process so it should be fun um yeah we really appreciate all Join the, the work discord it's in. an excellent very diverse very inclusive community people of all different gender identities and sexualities people of all different races it is a a very welcoming to everybody but right-wing shitheads community uh we also have this wonderful merch store uh everything on our merch store all proceeds go directly to charities. I think it's uh, Take This, The Trevor Project, and Black Girls Code are the three various charities that various products go to. So drape yourselves in our fineries and uh, and support good causes while you do it. I love this fucking shirt. Um, I I wear it out in public sometimes. People ask me what it is, and I don't have the heart to tell them it's my podcast because that's an asshole thing to do. But, (laughs) But you, you listener don't work on this podcast so if you wear an sdg shirt sdgc shirt in public and someone asks you what it is you don't have to be like oh this is mine i work on this this is a billboard you are a faithful listener um and then of course last but but also i guess least technically at the moment is the patreon um y'all know we don't money gate any content we are not spending a lot right now, but we need a few equipment upgrades that we're working on that draws from our Patreon bank. And, uh, you know, this will also help us to do big events as we start going back to them. It helps pay for us to get together things like, uh, you know, when we do do big charity drives and, and so on and so forth. But um, far, far less important. Join the community and and support good charities. That's the important shit right now. We don't need your money so bad right now. I don't know that I have any other show notes. Y'all, anything to say? No, you said it at all. Cool. I have replaced John. <laughs> That's all I've got, everybody. Kindness costs nothing. Take care. <laughs>